0: transmitted live across the Atlantic 3,000 miles and five hours backwards in time. We are now getting your sound clearly and we are looking forward with great anticipation
1: to seeing your program.
0: And Welcome to another edition of Match Report. I'm Jack and I'm here with Manny. Manny, how you doing?
1: I'm feeling good, man. Feeling good. How's things with you?
0: I'm alright. I, uh, I hear that you have a couple live shows coming up with Pass the Meerkat, your other podcast yeah. gig. Uh, what's the deal with that?
1: Yeah, so our first, first show of the tour is tomorrow. That's going to be in Birmingham. Uh, that's about a couple hours away from London. Uh, first time going out, of, so, so our main town is, is, is London, all the guys are from London, so branching out to the other cities, it's a little bit scary, but you know, we want to see and reach the fans that are, that, are, that are away from home, so first show is in Birmingham, then on the 10th of December we've got our, our headline show in London, O2 Shepherds Bush, uh, and then we're going to round it off with a final show in Manchester, that'll be on the 16th of December, so yeah, all the prep finally Finally, going to go into um, into into reality, into uh, the stage. Now, there's a lot of rehearsals that goes into it. It's not like a normal podcast show where you know you just go and just watch us chat shit on stage. You know, there's a lot of interactive games. There's guests. There's karaoke. There's dance steps. Like yeah, there's quite a lot we put into it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So first one tomorrow. You've got something coming Very up as cool. well, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do. We're, we're having our second ever uh, football weekend watch party for Same. Man City Tottenham next weekend, uh, Sunday, December 3rd at GMT Tavern, which is in uh, New York's Greenwich Village in, in lower Manhattan. So nice. for our listeners that are in the area, I'd encourage you to come by. Uh, it's a $6 pint uh, before kickoff, which in New York City is is a deal. <laughs> oh maybe yeah okay, okay okay maybe not everywhere but around here a six dollar <laughs> pint is a steal get yourself a guinness uh on yeah, sunday but morning
1: it, in america six dollars not is not a real price because you gotta add the tip right
0: oh yeah that's true i mean you can never <laughs> get out there's there's always a catch there's always a catch but uh it will be a lot of fun so i hope people come out i got some uh custom Coasters made nice. that I'm very proud of, and you can rest your beer on that if you come through. Oh, sick! Um, sick, sick. But you know, we mentioned Man City; they'll be the mm-hmm. big game again next week. But of course, they were the big game again. The early kickoff on Saturday; nobody was mm-hmm. happy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was pretty, you know, as, as I predicted in the football weekend uh, on the news. A pretty high octane match; yeah. a lot of athleticism on on display. Um, you know, were, were you excited by this one? Do you enjoy this one as a neutral?
1: Yeah, definitely. I actually was expecting a few more goals um, from from both sides. Um, a draw is perfect for us. So you know, both points, both teams drop points. So it was a really good result. Um, but yeah, I, I thought either City would win it, um, or it would be you know maybe a two-two or something like that. Uh, one thing I want to I want to mention about Liverpool is I just think there's such a waste. With what they're doing with McAllister as their holding midfielder, I think he has so much more to offer them um, as a goal threat, being more more involved in in their attacking third. And I just think that that's that's something they are they are they're missing. Um, he does a good job, obviously holding mid and keeps the ball well, technically outstanding. But I just think that that end product and the final pass and he's got a goal in him as well. I just think they need to sort that out to to fix the balance. Um, City should have probably won the game as well. I think they had a better chances in the game, um, but yeah, it was, it was it was a good it was a good good game for a neutral and good game for United to see both both teams drop points as well.
0: Yeah, we've talked about keepers under pressure. I mean, I found I've never seen Allison Allison Becker put under mm-hmm. so much pressure and so be so uncomfortable building out from the back. He made a couple of very uncharacteristic. Uh, errors which I guess you can attribute to the city press which is always formidable Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah I think you know there's something missing still from their midfield as we've talked about Um, but I was impressed with them I was surprised to be impressed especially in the second half Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that they found a way to, to turn Trent Alexander Arnold from a liability which he was at times in the first half I mean you know, the City's wide men were having a field day, you know, yeah. when they could yeah. get one-on-one out there. Even Joel Matip got a serving of, of Jeremy Doku at one point uh, <laughs> as a center back. But I thought once they got Trent into midfield more, they got on the ball more, they put their foot on the ball. They they looked to match. They could, they could battle City. I, I agree that City probably could have snatched it, but... You know, Trent, for all the questions we ask about his defending, I think he did okay, was still mm. beat up a couple times. And, but, you know, we all, we all know that he has the quality going forward to mm. smash that ball home, very clean strike. His technical level is, is not in question, I feel like.
1: Mm. Do you think that is probably the best role for him if he is going to play fullback? Is that inverted playing through the middle? Or do you, think, do you still think he can compete at the highest level as an out-and-out fullback overlapping?
0: I would fear for him. Once you get into the, the business end of the Champions League knockout mm. stages, you get to that stage of the season, the Premier League as well, where every game is a cup semi-final. Yeah. I fear for him in those matchups. I fear for them if they go up against Bayern Munich. Um, I don't know that they can get away with it again against City, although they'll, they'll have them at Anfield next time. Um, I would like to think Arsenal's wide men uh, have what it takes to to go after them as well. I, I worry about that, and I, I worry if you know Andy Robertson takes his time coming back. You know, is Costa Simicus the same quality on the on the other flank as well? Um, I do think that's a liability. I, I thought that their center backs looked better than I've seen them. I think Van Dyke, Virgil Van Dyke, looked up to it this time. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think he's at his. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold is at his best getting into that midfield area. But you know, as you say, they already have a, a a ball progressor in that mm-hmm. area. They already have um, Alexis McAllister. Uh, they just. I think they need they need a Declan Rice in there. Yeah. They They need a Rodri in there. That's what they're missing. Yeah. Um, I expect them to finish third because of that. But I thought it was an entertaining match, and of course, you know. Holland's always gonna take the headlines. I do want to give Bernardo Silva his flowers before we get to Holland because I thought you know he was asked to to drop in there a little bit um and play a little deeper, and he looked up to it physically and also was running the game, especially in the first half um from a possession standpoint uh but he did you know inevitably it it falls to to Holland. And the stat is that Erling Holland scored his 50th goal in 48 appearances. Next up is Andy Cole, and it took him 65 appearances, Mm. which is, by the way, Andy Cole has an incredible goal scoring record in the league. Very
1: underrated Andy Cole, especially. But the
0: rest of the rest of this is Alan Shearer, Ruud van Nistelrooy on 68, Mm -hmm. Fernando Torres and Mo Salah on 72. Uh, and then, But there are people that are not even on that list. You know, Thierry Henry, mm. uh, Wayne Rooney, mm. Sergio Aguero, Didier Drogba, Cristiano Ronaldo. None of these players are even on the list. And Erling Haaland is top of the list. I mean, what do you make of this phenomenon?
1: <sighs> That's exactly the perfect word for him. He's, he's a phenomenon. He, de- he just doesn't... He He defies logic, really. And he's still so young. That's the scariest part. At 23, you're thinking... What's it going to be like when he hits his prime which is you know you you think 27 28 um and i think the way he plays he can still be very affected as he gets older and maybe he loses that extra yard of pace he still has great physique to hold up the ball he's got a great eye for goal uh, man i i think it's scary what what he's potentially going to do i think he's going to break continue breaking records as long as he stays at, at city especially um with the kind of players and the kind of football that they're playing, he's had to adapt his game at times to suit City. City's had to adapt their game to suit him at times. But whichever way he is, he's he's on he's on form. He's on fire. You know, people start to get on to him if you know two or three games he hasn't scored, but he's very quickly back in in scoring form. Um, definitely a big shout out to Bernardo Silva. I, I, he's probably my favourite City player. Uh, he makes it look so easy and. With his physique, and we talk about physicality of the league now and European football in general, he doesn't have that explosiveness. He doesn't have that pace. He's not particularly strong, but he's so clever of the ball. He uses his body so well. You can put him out wide, you can put him behind a striker, you can put him in, in the midfield three or midfield two, even. And he's just, he's just quality around, man. He's, he's definitely that standout player for me. Um, you don't really miss De Bruyne, to be honest, and, and that's, that's a statement in itself. So when De Bruyne does eventually come back, probably in the new year, City are going to go up a gear, and that's that's scary.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is, is a terrifying prospect when they're already, <laughs> you know, we have a new league leader by by only a point, but they're right in it already. They they don't, mm. as you say, they barely miss him, and, and there's just only a higher ceiling to get to. I mean, on the other side of the striking coin, I think, you know, I can't resist taking a look at Darwin Nunez, who, when he plays for <laughs> Uruguay, he's a good, he's almost a clinical striker. Yeah. Like, he takes care of business at an international level. But in a Liverpool shirt, I just don't trust him to take any chance. I mean, I, I, that's another issue for them. Uh, is, is he good enough? And is this a, a mental block that he's having in a, in a red shirt?
1: Uh, I think he doesn't get a consistent run of games. And maybe he's not trusted by the manager to be like, look, you're on number nine, regardless of, you know, if you go a few games without getting a goal, you no, know, we have faith in you and we trust you and, and, and we look to play into your strength. At Uruguay, it's the complete opposite because he, he is that, that number nine for them. He, you know, everything does go through him and he's on form. So I think it's, it's probably more that one week, he might be playing out wide another week, Jota's playing ahead of him or Gappo playing ahead of him. It's, it's not ideal for any player. Um, and again, he's also a young player as well that, that doesn't need that consistent running games because there is ability there, definitely. But you know, playing, playing as the number nine for, for Liverpool with all the legends that are behind him, it, it's not easy. And that could be a factor, um, a factor that goes, in, goes into his performances. But some, some of his goals are, are outstanding, but then he misses the easier ones. So you just think maybe it's a concentration level, maybe he's more of an instinct player. But I think with time, he'll, he'll come good. He definitely has a lot of tools that you can see will develop into a top striker. Um, but yeah, I just think he needs a consistent run of games and, and just the trust in the manager to just be their, their number one starting striker.
0: I think you're exactly right that he's an instinct player. I think the more time he has to think about it, the less likely you're, you're going to see him yeah. take care of it. Um, you know, as, as, as we have an opportunity to sow discord in the ranks of our enemies here, I got to point out Phil Foden. Okay, I've thought this for a long time. I've seen Phil Foden play some some great matches. yeah, but he's he's obviously a skilled player. Where is the end product? If this man was not English yeah. and or he played for Arsenal or Manchester United, wouldn't he yeah. come under serious pressure for for what he produces at the top level? You know, I don't see him, you know, he'll he'll beat a man, He'll take some nice touches. But he needs goals and assists if he's going to be in this team. I mean, you talk about Bernardo Silva filling the void left by Kevin De Bruyne. Wasn't that supposed to be Phil Foden?
1: Yeah, or Mares as well. You're right. He, he's now been given the tools, essentially, to, to usher that new attacking side for, uh, for City alongside Alvarez and, and Haaland. Um, but yeah, it seems like Doku is now taking on that mantle, and that responsibility ahead of, of Foden. And he's been in this, in this team Played on a pep long enough that you think if he doesn't just step up I hundred percent agree if it was at another another side United or, or Or Arsenal or even Chelsea he would definitely get go under a lot more scrutiny But because City win games because they win the league they win trophies He kind of gets a bligh um, But yeah, I, and that's why I think he struggles as well also for for England He doesn't he has not have that starting spot cemented at, uh, for England either And I guess another thing is, what's his best position? Is he an attacking midfielder? Is he a box-to-box midfielder? Is he he a wide player? Uh, Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I think he'd he'd probably want to play through the middle. Um, That's where he's been on record saying that he prefers being a lot more involved in games. But when you don't have that end product as consistently as some of the other number 10s, uh, Bruno, Odegaard, it's going to be difficult. So he'd probably get shunned out wide a little bit just to just to give him a bit more more of a chance to get involved in games sometimes because he can go missing.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it seems like he has, you know, that inside right forward role, um uh, but in the league I would take Jared Bowen over him. I mean, mm. they play that same role a lot of the time. Mm. You know, I've had I picked Jared, Jared Bowen, Bowen my fantasy team months ago because <laughs> I know that he's going to register a goal or an assist most games. Yeah and i just don't you know it, you're you're exactly correct that the rotation that pep does can isn't always helpful for everyone people that really de- depend on a run of games but that's what you're asked of in this city team i i do think that there's a bit of a double standard when it comes to him because i i do think that people also identify the talent i mean he's obviously very talented yeah. but um you know on that subject of the young the young english kids uh this uh, Newcastle Chelsea match, which also took mm-hmm. place on Saturday, uh, was a showcase for Cole Palmer. I thought, um, yeah. who is is maybe a rival for Foden in that England setup. He left Man City to go to Chelsea. I know I didn't really see what the fuss was about, but here I, you know, after you uh, last week or the week before uh, was singing his praises a, as a build-up player, in addition to just a guy who who dispatches penalties. I I had a look, and, you know, he was playing more centrally here. He was dropping in to receive on the half turn, break the lines of the pass, get them going. You know, I thought as bad as it went for Chelsea in the beginning of the match uh, for a lot of the first half, I I thought they played some decent stuff.
1: Yeah, and it was an evenly evenly contested game in the first half. Um, I think it could have gone either way up until, I don't know, just laps of concentration or just poor defending Chelsea that's a, that's another side that with changing back four consistently you're not going to get as a solid and consistent um defending uh on the transitions they are really poor on the back foot they're really poor and someone who's always been reliable Thiago Silva made a couple of mistakes in the game one led to a goal and the other when he tried to scoop the ball Against Gordon, and he just fell on his ass. It's just like, what's going on here? So, um Kukurela's back in the side after being shunned out for a while. Uh, Lewis Cole wasn't playing, but then he came on the second half. James had a poor game, got sent off. It's just, it's calamity, honestly. Like, you don't know what side you're going to get with Chelsea. Um, and I think it, it was difficult for, for some of the more um, attacking players. Um, Sterling did well. Um, I didn't even know he could take three kicks like that to be honest so that was that was a nice surprise um, Palmer was involved again quite quite a bit in the first half but yeah they they dropped off massively in the second half Lapse of concentration in the back um, and some comical defending just three free headers throughout and they could have they could have conceded a few more goals than that to be honest
0: yeah no, I, I think Nicholas Jackson's a huge issue, too. I mean, he, he kind of makes Darwin look like Alan Shearer. So like, <laughs> you know, when he gets when he gets free, and it sort of reminds me when you play Sunday League and uh, somebody gets through on goal who does not want to be dribbling at the keeper one-on-one, and you know it's not going to go well. That's the, <laughs> the feeling I get from Nicholas Jackson. He's plays striker for Chelsea. But, you know, he gets through, uh, or he's one-on-one with the defender, In the box, he's got to shift the ball to make some space. He doesn't look confident that it's going to happen. He really doesn't at any point. And then, you know, as you said, you get to this scenario where it seems like to me it's Raheem Sterling plays well and creates danger. Or I don't really see where anything else is coming from. Um, And they're hoping to draw a penalty for Cole Palmer to convert. Maybe Sterling does something magical like he did here. But, you know, they did throw away the game. I think that Newcastle also just came into it of their own accord Mm. um, in the second half. Uh, You know, I do think that Anthony Gordon should be acknowledged, even though I just personally am not a fan. He does look Uh, like a
1: a bit of a prick, doesn't he?
0: He does look like (laughs) a bit of a prick. It's hard to resist saying so, but the kid can play. He really can
1: Yeah, I, I thought the move from, um, from Everton to, to Newcastle was actually the wrong move at the time. Um, so I think he, he had offers to go, or he had a bit accepted to go to Chelsea, which I thought would have been um, a more upward trajectory for him. But yeah, he's, it seems like he's found the club that, that he fits into perfectly, and, and they play to his strengths. A lot of balls in behind, he runs into the channels, he runs diagonals into the box, and, and he's getting goals and, and he's effective. Uh, I think when you mention Jackson, I think that just highlights the the poor quality of strikers that are out there in the world. Um if apart from Haaland, who else in the league would you say is a top, top quality striker? Um when you look across the other teams as well in, in Europe, Real Madrid don't have when Real Madrid never had like a recognized number nine top forward, you know? Um Inter Milan, Juventus. Um, you look at Barca, they've got agent Lewandowski now. There's, there's not a m- many good strikers out there, and, and, and you're seeing it. With United's you know, forward, um, even Arsenal, you could say that Jesus is not clinical enough to potentially win you a league. Uh, Nunes, Jackson. So, yeah, I, I think that that is definitely an area problem for football in general, that there's just not that quality of strikers anymore.
0: Yeah, I saw, you know, we might have talked about it last week. You know, Italy... Hasn't had a striker in years. It, it is a real issue. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great wide forwards who can yeah. come inside. I mean, Anthony, Anthony Gordon, you know, when he, when he cuts inside on his right foot, you're either looking at a decent strike on goal or one of those in-swinging balls that is going to mm-hmm. go in behind the line of defense in front of the keeper where nobody wants it. Um, but I do have to say that as much as Newcastle... Play the hard man, uh, you know. Especially if you go to Saint James's Park, you're gonna get the, the shit fouled out of you the whole time. But right. they have t- their wide players are two of the biggest simulators in the game. I think <laughs> Anthony Gordon's in that category, and Miguel Almirón is the biggest Number simulator yeah. in the Premier League. If if he if he got the same treatment that Bukayo Saka gets in terms of getting kicked for real every <laughs> week. What would He'd happen to this guy? Up. He would mentally collapse. It would be the end of it.
1: <laughs> and it works that's a hobby yeah.
0: horse, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it works. So like you said, at St James's Park, they always get, you know, the best side of, of refereeing decisions. So Yeah. But I, I like Isak. Um, he's a yeah. good technical player as well. He's got a great good finish on him. Um, I think when you look at, at Newcastle's eleven and their squad, you question the quality throughout. But they seem to to get the right results, and, and, and they seem to keep performing. And you just think every every summer, every transfer window, they're going to keep adding that little bit of quality. Um, yeah, and it's a worry actually, just watching them, you know, steadily plod along, and going to become you know a regular top four side.
0: Yeah, I think there's an element of underrating uh, the manager Eddie Howe. I think there's an impulse among many of us. You know, watching the game to think, you know, he's a good, honest English manager who can get results in the Premier League or whatever it is. But he might actually be a very, very talented manager. I, I think mm-hmm. he's getting. You know, you always go back to: is he getting more than? Is this team more than the sum of its parts? Yeah. Under his management, and I think you have to say it is. I mean, he's turned Jolenton into, you know, a, a top six quality central midfielder. Granted, yeah. he showed again. This weekend, why he did not cut it as a striker when the, when the chance <laughs> fell to him. But, you know, they're very athletic. They get the job done. And, yes, they get a lot of decisions at home. And their home record is going to be formidable because they can play and because they sometimes have at least uh, one. They have the 12th man in the crowd and on the, the 13th on the in the uh, in the referee's jersey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it does drive me crazy a little bit. But, you know, again, also Kieran Trippier... Amazing uh, quality. Mm. Uh, This was, you know, I thought that Chelsea were getting better. But I think Mm. this exposed the gap. Uh, Newcastle may have benefited last season from how poor some of the big boys were. Mm. But this is what a Champions League team looks like, or at least a top five, six team. Chelsea don't look like that.
1: No, no. Uh, it's it's going to be like that. You know, my prediction is going to be yo-yo results for them throughout the season until until they sort it out, and they're going to have to keep trimming the squad. Um, but yeah.
0: So the last game on Saturday, the late game was uh, Arsenal visiting Brentford. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a game that was going to you know set the set the world on fire, yeah. but it was finally. A moment for Kai Havertz. The, the ballad of Kai Havertz has a new verse, <laughs> a new, mm-hmm. a new uh, at least a new couple lines in it. Um, I mean, isn't that sort of what he was brought in to do? Provide a goal threat for midfield, a little aerial threat? What um, did,
1: did yeah, what'd you make of and, that? Yeah, and, and Arteta spoke again on, on his versatility and the fact that he can, he does provide Arsenal with something different to the other forward players. So he, he, he doesn't want him in behind. Doesn't have the pace to beat his man one on one the way Martini and Saka does. Um, and, you know, he, he's not probably as clinical as Nketia. I think In probably your best finisher at the club, um, in, in the up front anyway. Um, and maybe he's not as industrious as, as Jesus, and his link up play is not as good. But he's decent at pretty much everything. He's a pretty standard, not standard, so he's, a, he's a jack of all trades, really. You know, you, you can play it into him in the air you can play him to his feet um, he's decent technically on the ball and I just think it, it was nice as a obviously I don't want to praise the Arsenal too much but you know as, as a football fan in general it was nice to see a player getting rewarded for just sticking at it you know he, he hasn't been in great form um, his managers trusted him though and, and he's rewarded his managers rewarded the fans so I hope it is is a turnaround for him because um, I do think he's a good player I just think that the system playing as that left-sided eight consistently is is not for him just yet. Who knows, you know, by the the end of the season. But when you do play dangerous balls into the air, into the box, you know, he will get goals um, and he is a threat. So I just think it's all about what else he can bring to the team because the last 20 minutes, 30 minutes of a game, he's a great option to bring on. And he's definitely something different than what Arsenal have. Um, What I liked about the Brentford game, though, and what I've liked about Arsenal this season... Is how solid you look. So even if you're not winning games, you don't really look like conceding. Um, you seem a lot more assured, um, a lot more well-structured, but it's just that final third is where I think the breakdown is. But it's, it's great to have Odegaard back. I think once he's back to being fully fit um, and linking up with Saka or on that right-hand side, you know, start to click for you guys. So great sign of champions that you're not playing amazing well, but you're getting results.
0: Time. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I agree completely that I think Kai's role right now has got to be the super sub, provide something different off the bench. He doesn't really fit into a midfield role in this particular team. And I think I was thrilled to see Leandro Trossard get a start at that yeah. left eight position. Um, it was a very attacking lineup from Mikel Arteta. Uh, really, so much is left to Declan Rice in that midfield. It's basically... You know, let just sit here and let everyone else <laughs> go express themselves. Yeah. Um, Odegaard also works very, very hard. But yeah. someone like Trossard, not really known for that side of his game. He's just an absolutely lethal finisher. I, I think Trossard actually might be the best finisher at the club because of yeah, his yeah, technical fair. ability. Fair. He's probably the, the best Arsenal technician mm-hmm. striking a ball, you know, maybe since Robin Van Persie. I mean, I, I really think so. I think we had better players, Alexis Sanchez, but like, I don't I don't see anybody striking a ball like this and I do you know I do have to bring up his goal that was ruled offside,
1: offside yeah. I'm
0: not saying that it was off it wasn't offside mm-hmm. what I would like to point out is that the camera that they pointed at the incident to decide whether it was offside is not even with <laughs> the ball yeah. and this is the exact same thing we heard when and I accepted this when the ball went out of play at Newcastle. Yeah,
1: Newcastle. yeah.
0: And they said, because of the perspective of the camera, you can't see whether it's out of bounds. And I was like, that's fine. That makes sense. It was a foul mm. at the, in the goal mount. That's why it should have been <laughs> thrown out. But this was the same thing where it's a perspective thing. Mm. And I said this on Twitter. I very rarely tweet these days, but I tweeted this <laughs> out. And some guy goes, they calibrate the cameras before the game. So it's not an open <laughs> question. I'm like... What do you who do who calibrates it? The same people that admit every other week that they completely that botched week. a call, yeah to, <laughs> to give a result to a team that they didn't d- deserve it? That just drives me crazy. Why are we having these same fools that always make mistakes, drawing these little lines? If it takes you four and a half minutes to draw the lines on the offsides? I'm not taking that as definitive. I'm thinking this is some guy in Stockley Park just doing his best, getting the crayons out. And all I want, all I'm demanding is an offside contraption, whether it's a video or just a sensor, that moves with the ball down the sideline at all times. That's his only job. And so then you could get an instant offside decision every time. So then we cut out 30 or 40% of these VAR reviews that take five minutes. And you would yeah. actually have faith that it was real, that it was correct.
1: Yeah. The thing is there's money in the league to provide something like that. We've got goal line technology. We have thousands of cameras in the stadiums to pick up every angle of goals and, you know, and a, a fan singing a, a certain chant or, or whatever it is. But having just that technology to catch offside, it, it's been the one bane for, for football since, since the dawn of time. Um, and they're not even getting better. That's that's the worrying thing. It, it's getting worse. It's getting more comical. Um, and relying on someone like you said, drawing is, is. So if you're if you're not a good enough artist, then then what happens? Like, where are we gonna start <laughs> yeah, drawing exactly. the line to to actually trying to get this right? I I just think scrap it, man. The the eye of the of the of the linesman. It's you don't talk about it as much. It's not every weekend that you're talking about an offside or a handball or or whatever decision when it was just left to the linesman and the referee, but but with VAR, it's almost pretty much every weekend and it's getting tiresome. Yeah,
0: if it was just a human being doing it on the sideline in a split second, Mm -hmm. it's very frustrating. But you just it's easier to accept because you're like he that's the call that he made at the moment. But if we're gonna spend five minutes. Doing this and you still get it wrong and you break up the flow of the game. You change the momentum of the game. I mean, look at uh, this. My friend was at this match. He's, he's a New Yorker like me, lives in New York. But he was over there and, I, and yeah. I said, what's the VAR experience? And this is not new. People have talked about this before. But I said, what was the VAR experience like on that call for the, for the Trossard goal that was ruled up? And he goes, it couldn't be worse. Both teams line up to restart and all of a sudden the VAR screen pops up. And then they just stand there, and no one in the stadium knows anything that's going on. There's nothing on the screen. There's some guy a thousand miles away doing the lines. It took them a while to even draw the lines, at least on the American feed. Um, it just drives me crazy. But now that I've gone to bat as a homer for Arsenal, uh, I can rest easy because we still won the game. Despite, despite the goalkeeper, uh, Aaron Ramsdale, who played only because David Raya was essentially cup-tied. He was loan-tied because he's still technically a Brentford player, so he could not play in this match. So Mikel Arteta, who uh, created this situation when he brought in David Raya, which I don't think was ridiculous. He thinks he's a better keeper. But at the time, he says, I'm going to rotate my keepers like any other position. I might even sub them out during the game. Then Aaron (laughs) Ramsdale hasn't played a minute except in the Capital One Cup or whatever the hell it's called now, Carabao. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, in the Carabao Cup. He's totally cold coming to this match that Mikel Arteta, the manager, knew he was going to play. For the, for the entire season, he's known he's going to play this match unless he was injured. Yeah. And so he goes in cold. He's doing insanity. He's doing <laughs> absolute insanity on the ball. I don't know if he's trying to do too much to prove that he is Zidane in possession. <laughs> he's trying to throw the ball. He, st- he loops it over the guy <laughs> off the ground in front of him. I had a heart attack on my couch. What do you make of this situation as a, a you know, a non-arsenal uh, person?
1: I, I, I honestly just think um, similar to the Kai Havertz situation, trying to make him to left-sided uh, number eight. I just feel like Arteta just creating problems unnecessarily. Like, there was no need. And like you said, if you do believe that Ray is a better goalkeeper, bring him in and make him your number one. And explain to, 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 to Ramsdale that, look, you're going to have to step up if you want to reclaim that number one spot competition is needed uh top side but the whole flip-flopping it, it's just it looks it looks awful um and i don't know when when ramsell's coming out in interviews and saying that he struggles to concentrate for 90 minutes at a game and he has to look at the crowd and, and interact with the crowd and then switch back on in the game it looked like that you know against brentford that he just wasn't there or it is a case of just i i need to do something i need to i don't know do a step over or, or do something outrageous just so i get another chance the following week um, and, and that's not what you want especially in such a pressured and critical position as a goalkeeper you just want them to be level-headed and shy away from any incidences as much as possible whereas ranzo just seems like it's the opposite um he's in so such yeah, a so tough
0: he... position yeah go yeah. on
1: sorry no no it's a tough position you're right
0: he, yeah he's in such, such a tough position because he was basically removed from the team because he was hoofing it too much, that's my read on it. I mean, I think David Raya statistically is a better shot stopper, slightly, slightly better coming out for crosses and long balls, and, you know, controlling his area. But I think really he was he was taken out of the team Ramsdale because they didn't trust his ability on the ball, especially towards the end of last season. So mm. now he has, he comes back into this team totally cold, knowing that he has <laughs> to do his best David Raya impression. It's just never going to end well. I just think it's poor management from a manager who otherwise I really have very little that I can complain about. You know, I think he's doing a fantastic job otherwise. But as you say, it's, it's self-inflicted. I mean, the only other thing I would say before we leave my beloved arsenal behind is that they need to do some three point shooting practice. Basically, I think the key for, because they're up against such low blocks We saw this a a bit last season when Thomas Party lashed in a couple from 25 yards. You have to be a threat from the equivalent of the three point line uh, in football if they're going to sit that deep in, like you know, have basically 10 men in and around their own box. Mm -hmm. You got to be a threat from there so that they have to come out and and you have to keep them honest that way. Um, But we'll see. I I think Troussard should remain in the team for that alone. I think he can score from from 25. Quite easily, you know, but
1: you know who, who, Trossard actually reminds me of, of a similar Arsenal player is Carzola. I think he has yeah, that yeah. Same, same ability. Yeah, 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 um, Can play out wide, can play through the middle. Um, great striking ability, comfortable both feet, can go either way as well. Um, I think, yeah, I think he's quite a similar player to Carzola. You saw how important he was uh, for Arsenal.
0: That's a great shout. Yeah, very good in tight spaces, fully two-footed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I mean, speaking of teams that you know have no trouble scoring goals, uh, mm-hmm. we end Saturday and go to Sunday with Tottenham Aston Villa, which was the 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 early one there. Um, I got to admit, off the top, I said uh, in on the <laughs> the newsletter, yeah. you know, I do some fantasy picks on the in the Football Weekend newsletter. I said, uh, sell all your Spurs players. I probably should have waited till after the Villa game because <laughs> Villa give up a lot of chances. But I was ultimately vindicated only because yeah. uh, Hyungmin Son had a hat trick. That was all of them were ruled out, ruled out for offside. Uh, but what, what was what was your takeaway from that one? It was an entertaining match.
1: Yeah, it was. It was very entertaining, um, and I wasn't expecting a Villa win. If I'm honest, um, yeah. Watkins' great finish for his goal uh i think i think they could be there could be a problem villa um they do have quality and they are improving i just i'm always hesitant in praising sides that usually fall away um near the business side of the season but villa on the day i think they can they can beat anyone and to go away to tottenham and do that granted tottenham had a few injuries, but I do think they had enough in the squad to to get a win um but yeah, it, it was quite tight up until you know the last fifteen twenty minutes as well. So it was again; I could have gone either way. But they're, they're they're doing really well, Villa. Quite surprising as well. What was your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I I agree with your instinct that there's almost a Spursian element to mm. Villa. You know, I remember those great Gareth Barry sides. Yeah, uh one You know, the all. Martin O'Neill sides where. Yeah. It seemed like they were going to beat, usually beat out Arsenal for the the fourth spot for, for the the last Champions League spot, and they would always fall apart somehow. I, I do sense that, and they, I the reason that I think it could be true, even under different management, different era, is I think I don't think that they can defend I, when it comes yeah. down to it. Spurs could have had five, really. I mean, yeah. if if you if you if you took two feet worth of inches and put it in the other direction for all those. Um, yeah, you know, offside goals. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it, it easily could have gone another way. Uh, but I do think that we're starting to see the holes in the Spurs squad. Mm-hmm. It was well known that they didn't have a deep squad before, but it's it's not, they didn't have a center back out there. And then they were yeah. exposed on the, on a set piece. Um, I thought that they were sort of exposed on the, the uh, second goal as well. Ollie Watkins kind of gets in between the two fullbacks that are pretending to be center backs on the day in a way that maybe you wouldn't be able to against a seasoned center back who can feel that run coming in between them. Yeah. They, they know how to communicate, deal with that. Um, and it, it just seems like the manager does not want to play Eric Dyer and they don't have no. any other center backs. No.
1: And everyone seems to be having a lot of injuries. And at the beginning of the season, I thought United just got like the worst luck but across most most of the top 10 even, everyone's got five, six of their main players or at least, you know, first, first 11 or, or in that, on, on the bench squad that's out. And a lot of them are muscle injuries. And I think that's something that, that needs to be looked into. You know, a lot of the players that have complained recently of uh, match congestion and just playing too many games and then back-to-back tournaments as well. But I don't know, do, do you think it's it's down to... The, the style of play now in European football, because even even at, at Madrid and, and on the European side, they've got a, a number of mounting injuries as well. What, what do you think that is?
0: I do think that it has to do with the... It, there's basically been a nonstop schedule of football for, what, two and a half years or something? I mean, yeah. there's really been no break. Even the break, they're you know maybe they get a month off and then they're back on the preseason tour going to... East Asia or Los Angeles, mm. um, it, it's it's crazy to me. And then you factor in the internationals. You look at uh, Arsenal had three th- three Gabriels who started against Argentina in <laughs> midweek. Then they fly back from uh, Rio de Janeiro to London. Then they're back in going to Brentford. Luckily, it wasn't too far a distance to travel on the other side. But this is demanding. I mean, it's very demanding of these players and. I saw an ACL 11, I, I put this in the newsletter on Friday, but there there are 11 players out with an ACL tear mm. across Europe right now who would be a formidable Champions League yeah. side. And I think it's a tragedy, you know, it's sad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't know what a solution is, but it's almost as if the players kind of just need, like, a three-month proper break all round um, because it's just, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. And... And with the over reliance on playing high pressing, intensive football as well, that seems to be the norm now. um I think that the injuries are going to continue and it's going to get keep getting worse.
0: Yeah, I, I do worry about it. I, I think if I was the czar of football, if I was the the king of all kings, mm-hmm. um I would just get rid of the Nations League. That would be the first
1: thing yeah. that I would do. Yeah, that, that's get rid of that shit for
0: sure. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants that. Nobody's tuning into that. And now they've had to make it relevant by adding this convoluted uh, qualification process for Euro 2024. So now, you know, Sweden can get in that way or whatever it is. You know, I think in the scheme of things, Ale- Alexander Isak probably really wants to play at Euro 2024 with Sweden. But would he say it's worth it to play all these Nations League matches in September? Exactly. You know, come. it's crazy to me uh but one Tottenham player who's not injured and whose hamstrings look decent are uh Brennan Johnson did you know yeah. that this kid had that kind of pace That was crazy oh.
1: and he's just taken can you look at young players I think it's it's one thing how they perform but it's also another thing their temperament um and he seems to he's been playing at, at this level for for ages um, he's actually one of their main goal threats, and and he's always threatening. Um, and yeah, the pace is there, but he's also picking out the right passes. Um, he seems he's all round play is great. He works hard defensively as well. Again, a very modern player in terms of athleticism. But yeah, man, I, I like I like the look of him, man. Definitely.
0: England have a formidable squad these days. There's so yeah. many players that could be in there at all times um and i guess speaking of which we should move on to two titans of the english game that have been laid low in recent years along with my club arsenal we'll say that but (laughs) everton and manchester united went at it uh on sunday Mm -hmm. and you as a manchester united fan must have been thrilled at how this game began
1: i was so shocked i was going into this game expecting a banana peel, I was expecting a really poor performance, you know, going away in the late kickoff against, um, or no, the last kickoff against an Everton side that's just been off the back of, you know, quite quite a harsh decision. I thought they would rally against us and, and come out like fighting lions. And we, we kind of coasted the game. We dominated in possession. Um, we were solid at the back. Um, they had a couple chances, but you know they, they they were at home. On Onana pulled out a couple saves, but man, the youngsters they really, really, really stood out for us. So, so two players I want to mention. Um, number one being uh making his, his Premier League debut, and he was our best midfielder. He was probably the best player on the pitch on the day. He was calm in possession. He was comfortable receiving off, off the defenders, off the, off the goalkeeper. Um, use his body really well. He's not the biggest of, of, of players, but he has that that great burst of speed where he just gets in front of his of his marker and then can release the ball. Um, he doesn't panic, and you're just thinking and looking around and you're thinking, you know, you're, you're teaching some of our more senior players how how to be a Man United midfielder. Um, and then Garnacho, man, bloody hell! I think the celebration and the goal was was perfect. I can't think of a better. Bicycle kick. It's definitely on par with Rooney's, And i like to say that it's probably better than Rooney's against City because he hit it so cleanly. Um, a little bit further out as well, uh, man, hats off to him. I didn't, even, I didn't think he had it in his locker. I was completely shocked.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask if you uh, compared it favorably to, to Rooney's. I, the only other two that come to mind are the, I don't know if this counts, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic against England from 40 yards mm-hmm. is that a bicycle yeah. kick yeah it's something that, yeah. that's up there an acrobatic and then
1: kick.
0: <laughs> yeah and this came up a few weeks ago i guess that i was previewing the the roma match or no the maybe the milan derby. Mm-hmm. um but philippe, uh, philippe makes that uh french defender for uh um, oh, yes for milan back in the yeah. day and roma as well he had a phenomenal champions league bicycle kick as well mm-hmm. But I, this was right up there. I mean, the extension that he got, it did. You could see that he made up his mind early. Uh, he saw yeah. that it was it was behind him, and he's it was probably the fourth minute or something, and he and he just says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best at this." And it's not just that he made clean contact; he sort of looped it over uh, Martinez in goal, and it, it's mm-hmm. top right corner. I mean, an unbelievable strike.
1: Yeah, and I think goals like that, you just makes sure you think like, what. Made you think you could do that? Like to have the audacity to to just try that is that that, that speaks volume on, on a player's mentality. I think uh, Ronaldo's free kick against um, uh, for Real against Juve, I think was was yeah. quite similar as well. Um, yeah. But that's that's goal of the season for me so far, and I can't imagine a better goal than that. Um, but yeah, no, nah, f- yeah. fantastic, man. Rash- Rashford got a goal as well. Which was definitely needed for his confidence. He had another poor game, though. Um, he just things aren't going right for him. You know, when he's taking people on, his decision making is poor. His end product is poor. So, you know, just that ball across the box to to go and find Bruno for for one of the, like one of the chances. It's not clearing the first man. I, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, the penalty hopefully helps, but his his form is is really really shocking. And, and again, it shows the lack of depth in United where normally if a player is playing as badly as him, you take him out for a couple of games, give him a rest, let him reset, but we don't have anyone else. You know, Sancho, we don't know what's happening there. palistri is young, he came on, did did a little. Um Anthony the 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 least we talk about him the better. So there's there's just there's not much out there for United and, and we're having to just carry players that are not on form, which is not ideal.
0: No, I think it's true. I, it, you point out the two young kids, I think, very justifiably. I, I see a lot of jaded-looking older players in the United mm. squad. You know, apart from, you know, Bruno sometimes looks it, but he's also sort of the only quality that, that you guys sometimes have. Luke Shaw still, I think, is a player. But apart from that, it reminds me of Arsenal a few years ago when Bukayo Saka and M. L. Smith-Rowe yeah. came into the squad. And it was young guys who had something to prove. Mm-hmm. They were not jaded from years of being a professional and maybe enjoying this year of being a professional the least of all their years, which is the sense I get from a lot of United uh, players. Yeah. And they're just out there. They have that exuberance. Garnacha says, they're I'm going to do this because it's an opportunity. Yeah, there's no fear. There's mm-hmm. not the years of sitting getting recriminations from the Manchester media or whatever it might be afflicting some of the older players. And I agree with you about uh, Kobe Menu. I mean, he looked the real deal. And yeah. the composure is the difference. He he was showing, you know, Amrabat uh, or whoever else has been in there. I mean, Amrabat can't get a game. But yeah. um, he's showing all those deeper-lying midfielders how to run the game uh, as a deep playmaker. And, and somebody who not only keeps it ticking over, but is going to break the lines with the pass. Which yeah. I, I don't think that you guys have had in a while. Yeah.
1: I think there's, there's nothing better for a fan than watching an academy prospect, you know, that that you've watched grow up a little, and and you've seen them pre-season for the first time, and you really think there's something there, and then they then deliver, um, and, and you know I've got a rich history of bringing through quality young players, and and he's definitely the next one, so to have him and guy and Garnacho, in the side, um, yeah, man, t- testament to to the history and 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 the development of, of players that we have, but. For me, he's got to start every game. He's got to start every game.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's true. Uh, We should also shout the goalkeeper, Andre Onana, after being much maligned, made Mm -hmm. some good saves, looks fine with the ball at his feet. Um, I I think a lot of times we fail to acknowledge when a player is, who was under a lot of pressure, especially in the English media, I have to say, it goes from you're under serious pressure to we're not going to talk about you at all. And there's no intermediate period where are like, actually, he's doing the job well and he looks like he might be good enough to mm-hmm. play in this team. And, and I do think that Onana deserves that mention.
1: No, he does. And like you said, hats off to someone that didn't start off great. Um, another great legendary keeper for United was De Gea. And his first few months at United wasn't wasn't quality. Um, but, but he stuck it out. And the, what I have liked about Onana is he's continued to play his game even throughout... You know a couple of the mistakes that he has made. Um, his concentration has improved, and and that's a, a key aspect of being a quality goalkeeper. Um, and yeah, with with more confidence, with a settled back line as well, it, it, it's it's looking good for him. Um, so so yeah, we're 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 on the right track. Um, I think with more players coming back, Blue Shaw's a massive plus as well. Um, he just gives us that option, and and the passing angles can come into midfield. He's comfortable. Um, he was one of my standout players last season. So alongside Martinez, who's, who's penciled to come back in January, I think that's only going to strengthen and, and, and improve Onana's game, improve the whole defensive line in general. And then that transition from going forward and defending and you know, vice versa. So there are some positives at United. Um, but yeah, I, I just think we, we've had some easy run in the games as well. Let, let's see how we do over the next few weeks against some of the tougher opponents. And, and Galatasaray on, on Wednesday is a, a massive game.
0: Yeah, you guys have finally got a solid back four starring Harry Maguire. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have
1: thought at the beginning of the season, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, in worse news, at least for our, um, you know, our prediction that Everton would stay up despite their 10-point deduction, I yeah. didn't... I, you know, they actually created quite a few chances in the first half. This is another taking-of-chances match where it could have been very different. But I really think they lack cutting edge. You know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I don't think there's any more. Maybe Raul Jimenez, but other than that, no one is more desperate for a goal, I think, than, yeah. than Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I, f- I feel bad for him at some point. And then, you know, I always mention their midfield, which is just hyper-athletic, really competes on a physical level. But Abdullah Ducouré, occasional he'll smash one in. But you saw in this match that he and Idrissa Gay, while they're good, they're actually good passing technicians, I think. Yeah. Especially uh, Idrissa Gay, can can pass the ball. But when they get in that in that box, they're, they're not yeah. comfortable. Yeah, um, a and a bit
1: like deer de- 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 in de- the yeah. headlights kind of thing. Um, they haven't got, got that quality. Like you said, if it's not a set yeah. piece or a wonder goal, they, they, I struggle to see where they're going to get goals consistently. Um, I think that's what uh, Everton's problem is. But with the manager and, and the defensive players that they have uh, and the hard work in midfield that they have, Onada was a big miss for them as well, um, combating in midfield. Um, I do think they'll grind out results, but I think that's probably where it will, it will stop is them grinding out 1 0, 2 0, 2 1, that sort of thing. I don't think you'll get many, you know, astounding or, or comfortable wins from them.
0: Yeah. I also have to mention Dwight McNeil, who I think has been stinking it up for quite a few weeks now. Cool. I don't know what happened to that guy. You, I, I look at Jack Harrison, and he, to me, looks like what Dwight McNeil was at Burnley mm. in terms of, you know, not going to set the world on fire, but is a is a quality player who gets goals and assists, which is, yeah. you know, a very valuable asset to any team. He just looks so bereft of ideas. Uh, he physically is not at the level, I don't think. They they got to sort that out somehow. I don't know who they who else they have in the squad.
1: Yeah, um, they've got Danjuma on loan from Villarreal, I think. Um, but yeah, um, he has he hasn't done well. Um, I think that they missed be a little bit. But again, how many goals and assists do you get from him anyway? Uh, but he does have that little bit of quality. He can find a final pass, you know, here and there. But yeah, I I think going forward, that's where they're going to struggle. And most sides that don't. Um, stay up in the league and, and don't really progress in the league are ones that, that struggle going forward when you look at, at Forest as, as poor as they may be defensively at times they've they've got a goal in them you know they've got a few players that on their day can, can score against anyone they've shown that already um, so far in this league
0: yeah Anthony Lenga. Yeah, he's looking good former United man
1: <sighs> we could have done with him I'm not going to lie to you we could have, we could have done with him definitely
0: yeah well, I think it's it's worth uh, quickly touching on this last uh, mm-hmm. match of the day, which was Juve-Inter, only for one thing, actually, because yeah. I think it's an interesting contrast. La- Lautaro Martinez got his 13th goal in 13 uh, Serie A appearances today. But for Argentina, so it's the opposite of Darwin Nunez to me. It's such a fascinating mm-hmm. phenomenon. For Argentina, I think Lautaro looks a little bereft of ideas he's a got a dwight mcneil sickness for argentina how many chances did he miss in the biggest moments in the world cup mm. but for inter he's absolutely lethal i mean i think he's for the for his club it is he's got two goals in four in the in the champions league as well i think um you know i can't think of many more lethal strikers in europe as you say at a time when there's sort of not that many around
1: yeah yeah and he's on that I hope we all probably thought would have made that move to a to a top 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 side in Europe, and you know he hasn't. And maybe it is you know, in the defining moments, you know, in the semi-finals or later stages of Champions League, he hasn't quite delivered. Um, in the league, he's he's always been on form, he's, and he's always up there uh, and delivers for Inter. Uh, I think with Argentina, who knows? It could be the Messi effect. It could could be the fact that he's not the main man. Um, I think a lot of players, especially the forward players, you need to have the right environment around you a lot of the time to, to succeed. Um, and once there's a change or imbalance there, you just may not be in the right form. Like you said, you see that with Nunes, um, you see that sometimes even with Richarlison. There was a period where Richarlison, the Brazil shirt, was a completely different player than when he was playing for Tottenham. Um, so yeah, I, I, think, I think there's definitely a player that, that was on the cusp of becoming world-class. Um, and he's just very, very well suited for, for Inter. And it just may be that playing in that system, playing you know, with the players that he's used to around him, he can thrive. But anything outside of that, he's not quite the same. And, and it's a shame because I, I do think he could have he gone on potentially to be you know, one of the top five strikers in the world.
0: For sure. Well, it was a pretty uh, phenomenal weekend, actually, for the, <laughs> the matches that were on display. We'll, we'll have to see how next week shakes out. We also each have plenty to do in the meantime. I'm actually going yeah. down to Miami uh, yeah. to link up with the uh, CBS Champions League show with uh, Michael Richards, Jamie Carriger, Terry Henry, and, and Kate Abdo. Um, I'm doing a little story on them. Uh, so, we, And you got two shows bef- between now and, and our next uh, podcast?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. So hopefully uh goes down well. Hoping for loads of content. Um, still got some uh, quite a few tickets uh, for sale so yeah it's just about making a mark now and our overall goal is to we want to start doing these live shows a lot more regularly um, become you know like a monthly thing um, similar to like a wilder now you know where we start having guests and and different celebrities come on come on and, and participate and just make it like a staple piece within like the london culture kind of thing so yeah big couple of weeks for us coming up so should be good and then play you more football.
0: Very cool. Well, I, I hope everybody listening, if you're in the area, get out to the next Pass the Meerkat show. If you're in New York, come out to watch uh, Tottenham and Man City next week. And uh, we'll be back at the same time next week, Manny and I, to, to talk it out. Uh, cool. But uh, enjoy yourself until then.
1: All right, man. Take care, bro.
0: Have a great week. Later. All right.